Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Though I'm not a fashion blogger anymore, you're going to have to listen to episode 184 for that story. There is one thing that I firmly believe to this day. There is simply nothing better than a well-made and comfortable leather shoe. I recently discovered Bedstew and fell in love with their leather shoes. Bedstew's mission is to create quality products that are made to last using only the most natural ingredients. Bedstew takes pride in their four R's, recycle, reduce, reuse, and renewable. They use recycled materials, reduce landfill waste, source their materials from naturally renewable resources, and offer a restore and repair program so you can extend the life of your items. I have personally been wearing my Gia sandals from Bedstew nonstop since I got them. They're the perfect summer sandals, and I always feel so cute when I wear them, and they're just so comfy. Bedstew is giving you a 20% off on your first order when you go to bedstew.com and use code RC20 at checkout. That's B-E-D-S-T-U dot com and use code RC20 for 20% off. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and you are in for a treat today. You get to listen to my voice solo. I'm riding solo for this episode just for you because I love you. And I thought it would be really fun or funny or I don't know to do an episode where you send me all your burning questions about me, about my personal life. I share a lot online. There's a lot I don't share online. And I do a lot of coaching questions and Ask Cat and Sex Ed 101 and dating questions, all of that. And I don't know, I thought it would just be fun to spill the tea a little bit about my own life, pull back the curtain, let you know what's, what's going on in real time a little bit. I did that a lot at the beginning of the year because I was in a massive heartbreak and I was crying a lot on the podcast. So I thought I'd just give you some updates. You sent me in about a thousand questions this week and I have about 20 written in front of me and I'm going to try to get to as many as I can. Some of them are light, some of them are deep. And so we're just going to freaking do it. Okay. By the way, have you seen Where the Crawdads Sing yet? I am hearing some good things about it, 
but I'm kind of dragging my feet on seeing it in the theaters, even though I love Reese Witherspoon. But because I feel like when you read the book, it's it's like like always disappointing when you see the movie. You know, I feel like if I see the movie or TV show first and then read the book, it's usually not as bad. But when I read the book first and then the movie, I usually feel disappointed. And I'm just avoiding disappointment in my life right now. So what do you think? Are you a book first, then movie? Are you a movie first, then book? Are you solo? I just read the books. I don't watch the movies. It ruins it. Because if you're doing that, you're missing out on Bridgerton because the books are good and the movies are good or the TV shows. What kind of person are you? Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you real quick about Patreon. I talk about Patreon every week. Don't fast forward through this portion. Y'all, we are doing some really awesome things on Patreon. I just recorded my monthly live group coaching call last week. There were nine of us on the call. Basically, what happens is once a month, all Patreon members are invited to this group coaching call. We meet on Zoom. People come with their questions, and someone will ask, hey, I'm going through this in a relationship. What are your thoughts? Or yesterday or our last call, one woman was asking for career advice or financial investment advice or love advice, love coaching. So it's beautiful because we get to experience that in community. And a lot of times the same people are on the call. This last week, there were two friends that were on the call from Philadelphia. And I was like, y'all should totally hang out and meet in real life. Like, let's make this community a real thing. So hopefully they're going to do that. But you can join patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. It's $5 a month. That's like less than a cup of coffee these days. Because don't even get me started on how an oat milk latte is like six fifty these days, y'all. That is just, you know, actually absurd. So yeah, $5 a month. If you want to join at the $12 tier, you can also get access to my monthly book club. We have been doing the book the Bible Tells Me So by Pete Enns, and we're going to vote on the next book for the August Club. Whether you've read the book or not, come join. We do breakout rooms. We talk about life, love, and other mysteries. It's really fun. So patreon.com slash Collective. Be there, be square. All right, let's get into the questions that you sent me. Number one, am I still in therapy? Wait, before I answer these questions, y'all are shameless with some of these questions. And I told you nothing was off limits. You could ask me anything. And you really took me at my word. So some of these, I was like, y'all have no shame here. But good, because this is a shame-free space, okay? Am I still in therapy? Hell yes, I'm still in therapy. I'm probably going to be in therapy for the rest of my life. Why? Because every moment is an opportunity to grow if we choose it to be. And I have a lot of great friends that offer a lot of wisdom and insight into my life. However, we are all in the same boat. And my friend does not have a PhD in... I don't know, attachment style or does not have their MFT who has put in like a thousand clinical hours to observe or witness people. I think what can happen is uh, we have like money conversations or scarcity conversations or I'm fine. I don't need a therapist. Listen, I need a therapist. There is always stuff being activated and triggered in me. And 
I am so committed to my growth, not from this like arrogant place of look at me, I'm so evolved. No, like look at me, I'm a hot mess and I need outside perspective in my life so that I can have my blind spots highlighted so that I can have feedback from someone who's not in my same boat, who has an unbiased perspective of my life and can speak into it. So I'm all about the feedback. Give me all the feedback. Give me all the therapies. I'm seeing two people right now. One is a licensed therapist who specializes in deconstruction, actually. He is wonderful. I've been meeting with him every other week for about a year and a half now. And then I also meet with, she's not technically a licensed therapist. Well, no, she is not a licensed therapist. She is a coach and has a ton of coaching certifications. Her name's Michelle Peterson. We'll link her in the show notes. But she does a lot of somatic and body work. And she's who I went to Sedona to visit this spring and do equine therapy with, which was so incredible. So they both bring such different perspectives into my life. And yeah, it costs money. And yeah, it's 100% worth it. I am a firm believer that every penny you invest into your wholeness, you'll get back tenfold. So yes, I am still in therapy. Question number two. I actually get this question a lot. How do you navigate your relationship with your parents while being so public about your sexual journey? Does it bother them? Okay, so when I was writing my book and as I've been talking about Sexless in the City, all that for all these years, people would just come to me and say, you're so brave. You're so vulnerable. Wow, you're, I can't believe you're just, you know, talking about all this stuff to the internet. It honestly didn't hit me how vulnerable and weird it was and is that I talk about all this stuff publicly until my book hit the shelves. I swear to you, it did not feel vulnerable. I was like, oh, this is just, I'm just putting this out in the world. It got weird when I was having conversations like with my uncle at Thanksgiving who was telling me he was reading my book on his bedside table every night. And I was like, oh my gosh, my uncle knows about my life. Oh my gosh, Uh, that's awkward. It feels more comfortable for strangers knowing about my sexual journey than sometimes my family. I'll say that, however... I'm an open book. I've always been that way. Honestly, like who I am online is who I am in person. And I thankfully have a mom who grew up or who when I grew up, she normalized a conversation around sex, around masturbation, around all that stuff, which I talk about at length in my book. And I have always been super honest with her about my dating life, about what I have or haven't done. I'm honest with like my siblings about it. I am not in relationship with my dad right now. And we haven't been in relationship for, gosh, I think it's it's been since November of 2021. So we'll be coming up on a year in a little bit. Honestly, what's been harder to navigate than my sexual journey is honestly that relationship with my dad, my trying to discern what to share and what not to share. He relapsed almost four years ago at this point, and I didn't talk about it publicly for, I think, almost two years. And I'm pretty sure he still listens to my podcast. Um, And that's hard because some of it is, you know, it's not my story to share. It's He's going through it. 
And yet also my dad and I have always had a super honest relationship. So even though he hasn't been in my life in the last really like four years as I've been navigating this public sexual journey, if he was in my life, like he would know everything. Um, My dad was the person that I would literally like feel comfortable telling anyone to. The first time I smoked weed, I told my dad. (laughs) Like, and I was like almost 30 when I smoked weed for the first time. I was like, dad, like I did this thing last night. Like, what do you think about that? Will you help me? So yeah, my parents and I are fine. We're, we're good. I think that Well, I know that there are, I have some of my siblings feel uncomfortable about what I talk about publicly because, you know, their coworkers will be like, oh, I, you know, I meet my sister's coworkers out at a bar or something. And they're like, what do you do? Oh, I have a podcast. I have a book. And then they'll like listen to my podcast. And then my, some of my siblings can feel like awkward that I'm talking about what I talk about publicly, which is fair, especially not everyone in my family, like not all of us believe the same things. Not all of us have the same values. Not all of us like believe the same things about God. And so what I've really tried to do in that sense is respect and honor their privacy. So I don't really talk about my siblings hardly ever online or about our dynamics. I hardly even tag or show them on Instagram or even even talking about them right now is like more than I generally talk about my siblings online because several of them have asked me to kind of like keep them out of it so that they can like live their own story. And I can only imagine that it would be really difficult to have an older sister with a very public platform about like sex and not having sex or sex ed and all of that. Um, I just feel like that would, I can imagine that would feel like pressure or, you know, yeah, just... I can imagine that would be really hard. So I really just, I do just try to respect that. One of my values has always been people in my life get to know the story first before anyone online. So anything that's online, anything that you're hearing is not news to my people. It's been processed in real time with my real people well before you hear anything. So I think a lot of times people online will say, you're so courageous, you're so vulnerable. And yes, but you're actually just getting the tip of the iceberg. I am actually super intentional about living life out loud with people as opposed to strangers on the internet. Yes, I will share things here but I really try to honor my my relationships. And there are dynamics and relationships in my family that I will never share about because that those relationships have not been reconciled or we haven't worked through our shit, so to speak, yet. And so I really only talk about the dynamics that have really been worked through. Like I talk about stuff with my dad because for about 15 years, we worked ferociously at having a reconciled relationship. And he would share our story. I would share our story and everything that I have shared about him. We have had conversations about, and I've even asked his permission, like, can I share X, Y, Z? And his response was always, if you think it will support or help other people, yes, please share it. So, yep. So that's the answer to that question. Love it. Cause I get it all the time. Um, okay. Question number three, do you think you would ever completely get off the dating apps? Yes. When I am married, I do not expect to be on a dating app when I am married. 
And up until then, or up until I am in a serious, or up until I'm in a serious, exclusive, committed relationship, I will be on the dating apps. Why? Because dating apps work. They just do. It, just look at the statistics of it. I mean, I might take a a break, and I am very honest when I am coaching you that I I I usually do three months on and a month off, or I took about four months off after my breakup in the fall because I just needed space. So I take big breaks. I take time off. But the reality is that more than half of heterosexual couples in America today meet online. So Canon does work. And I just want to be open to all the possibilities. So that is my deal there. Um, next question, how many dates do you go on a month? Okay, this is a funny, well, this is funny because right now I'm going through like a dating spree <laughs> and I have been pretty much since the beginning of April. So what is that? April, May, June, now I'm midway through July. So like for the past three and a half months. Okay, so I counted the other day. Oh my gosh. In the last three months, I have gone on over 30 dates. (laughs) Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Because the next question is, how often do you follow your own advice? No shade, just need some odds. I live what I preach, okay? I put myself out there. And so I didn't date from January to April because I was heartbroken and I needed time. I started off... January, literally on January 3rd, I went on a date January 3rd, 4th and 5th with three different guys. And the whole time I was thinking about the guy I dated last year. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to give myself a break. Once April hit though, man, it was like game on. And I have online dated like I've never online dated before. 10 dates a month, y'all. That is almost every, what is that, like every third day? Yeah. All of those, but one, wait, no, two guys were online. And my app of choice has been Bumble. And here's the thing is I love Bumble and Hinge. Hinge, I have found typically has higher quality dudes, but less matches. So maybe with Hinge, I'll go on one day a month or every other month from something like Hinge. Whereas Bumble, I could swipe right now and be on a date in an hour. And what I have been just trying to do in this time or what my intention has been is to say yes more than I say no and just get to know people, get back out there, have experiences, explore. And I've had some literally in the last three months, I had the best date of my life. Like, holy cow. It was freaking awesome. I have dated two. I dated one guy for two and a half, three weeks that I was like crazy about. Dated another guy for about two and a half, three weeks that liked so much. Both of those didn't work out for different reasons. One, literally after I think the fifth or sixth time seeing him, he ghosted me. And I like to this day, I'm like, did the aliens take him? Like, did he get murdered? I mean, I followed up with him three times, didn't hear anything. And the fourth time I like reamed into him. I was like, seriously, are you ghosting me right now? Come on. Like, 
you're better than this, man. So that that was a real blow. And then the other guy that I really liked, well, I'll tell you more about him in a second because there's a question that you guys asked me specifically about this guy. So how many dates do you go on a month? Right now, I am clocking about 10, y'all. You might be like, oh my gosh, well, are these all these guys Christians? No, all these guys are not Christians. And Honestly, my goal with online dating is I take the Aziz Ansari approach in his book, Modern Love. The online dating is just an online introductory service. Just get a person in person to see if there is any connection. So it will be as simple as this happened to me a few weeks ago when I was in New York matched with this guy. I said, hey, what's up? Like, tell me something good. I'll usually say something like that. And uh, he was like, hey, not much. Like, how spontaneous are you? And uh, he's like, I have a dinner reservation at this oyster bar in two hours. Do you want to join me? Sure. Yep, I'm there. So I really, I'll try to meet up with a person either that day or within the first few days um, because I don't, I'm not looking for a pen pal. So that is, that's kind of been my, my strategy the last few months is just getting out there, having experiences, going out, having convos, all that stuff. And to kind of tie in that uh, uh, next question, how often do you follow your own advice? Like, ask, you can ask my friends, slide into their DM, slide into Tutti Del Monte's DM. She is one of my besties ask them. And I, I live this stuff. Like I really live what I preach and what I'm preaching to you is I'm preaching it to you because I need that message first and foremost. This is why I have two therapists. This is why I got my eggs frozen. This is why I am going on dates and putting myself out there, even though I have been online dating for 10 years and I have not met my person yet because I do believe in possibility. I do believe it takes one egg. It takes one good date. It takes one break. Through It takes, it just, life is about possibility. And if I'm not living what I am preaching, then oh, I just, I'm a, what's the, I'm trying to think what the personality type is called. Oh, I remembered it. On the strength finders, I love personality tests, but on the strength finders, my, it's like in my top two is belief. And what belief is, is a person who is super internally motivated by like a deep sense of purpose and belief. And they are like natural salesmen because if they love something, you're going to know about it. So I always say the example for belief on strength finders. When I worked for The Gap in college, I was a denim specialist because I was obsessed with Gap denim jeans. I wore the long and leans and I could sell those long and lean jeans all day long because I loved them. So what I share with you guys, I'm sharing because I believe it. I am living it, which is, I think, also why the Refined Woman and the Refined Collective has shifted so much over the years and why it can feel really hard for me to explain, like, what is this thing that I'm doing? Because it changes a lot. Because as I morph, evolve, grow, have different questions for myself, God, and others, the platform changes. Right now, I've been going through a massive deconstruction. So I've been doing a ton of 
content on deconstruction. The last few years, I have been doing a ton of research on LGBTQ plus issues and the church. So I've been talking about it. For seven years straight, I did research on God, sex, dating, the Bible. And I talked about it. I even wrote a book about it. So yes, I live what I preach. Does that mean I am perfect? No. Does it mean that I follow my advice all the time? No. But thankfully, I have friends and therapists and professionals and mentors in my life that I've given access to that are able to call me out. In fact, just recently, uh, one of my best friends who... <laughs> How do I want to say this? Uh, basically, yeah, one of my best friends was like, Kat, like, I'm concerned about you. Like, you seem out of alignment with XYZ. I, I like, let's have a conversation about that. And I love that she took me aside and said that because to me, that is friendship. To me, that is friendship. All right. Okay, this next question. No shame, guys. The next question How many times a week do you masturbate? Okay. Here's the thing, like, here's why I don't want to answer a question like that. And is because I feel like people ask me questions like that. And what they're really looking for is permission, permission to, okay, what's right? What's wrong? What's normal? What's sinful? Because if Kat does it, then I can copy paste it as opposed to you figuring out for your own self is masturbation, is online dating, is whatever something that's healthy for you. So I notice that often with questions like these, people are looking for permission or a framework, or a third option is they're looking for my credibility. So depending on how I answer this question, some people will write me off and say, oh, she's a heretic. She's teaching a bad message. We're not going to listen to her anymore, or I'll gain favor, right? And so I don't want to answer questions like this because I want you to be willing to do your own work. Like, period, the end. Be willing to do your own work. And also, yeah, I think there, yeah, so there's that. Now, I will answer this question. Honestly, it just depends on the week and in the season. So during times of stress, anxiety, like big, heavy launches, whether it's like a course launch or even just stress, like the, with the egg freezing cycle, my body was going through a lot. And then I got COVID and that like terrible, like UTI that took four rounds of medication to heal up. But all that to say is like, all of those things massively decrease your libido. So I would say like in a normal time, I can explore my pleasure, gosh, I would say like maybe even like five times a week. Um, In a time of like low libido, I could go like weeks without exploring. I could go like once or twice a week. Honestly, I just try to listen to my body. And when I feel like I want to explore my pleasure practice, I always just ask myself why. Like what is my motivation? What am I looking for right now? Do I feel connected to myself? Do I feel connected to God? Am I trying to escape? Is there something I'm not that I'm trying to avoid right now? Um, Because self-pleasure can be a distraction technique just as scrolling on Instagram can be, just as watching 
an entire season of Bridgerton in one day can be. So for me, I always just try to be curious and check in with myself, check in with my body, check in with what I'm wanting and just let it be what it is. Like I, when I've gone through like real low libido seasons, there's been times where I'm like, okay, cat, we need to like just masturbate because we need to like reconnect with ourselves, even though we're feeling stressed right now. I will say recently I got a new sex toy called the Womanizer that Dr. Celeste Holbrook and our Sex Ed 101 workshop talked about. And I had first heard about the Womanizer on TikTok because there was this viral post going around about a review for the womanizer that a husband left because his wife got the womanizer and it is like a page long review. This guy is like, this is like the best thing that's ever happened to our marriage. Thank you so much. And my wife has never been more pleased in her life. And so I was like always super curious about it. But basically what it is, is it just like puffs and sucks air and you like use it on your, your clit. I will just tell you that thing is freaking awesome. And I love it. So do with that what you will. I'm in my mid-30s, single, and want to have kids one day. If you're in my Patreon community and watched my video about my fertility journey, you know that I recently tested my fertility levels because I want to be proactive now to know what my options can be in the future. Because you don't show up to a marathon race without having been diligent in your training, right? So if you're a woman and think you might be interested in having kids one day, it's time today to take ownership over your fertility so you can know all of your options. Modern Fertility makes it easy and affordable to test your fertility hormones right at home with a simple finger prick. You mail it in with a prepaid label and get your personalized results within 10 days. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, aka how many eggs you have compared to other women your age, and other important fertility factors. You can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and your options for next steps. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds and even thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. Next question. Is there a one that got away for you? Well, if you read my book, Sexless in the City, I have a chapter called The One That Got Away. And yeah, so for a long time, it was this guy in high school. Oh my gosh, I almost said his name. (laughs) He was a couple years older than me. He was a varsity soccer player and he was super popular. And I just thought he was the bee's knees. Like I was like sweaty palmed, cotton mouth, weak in the knees around this guy. And we developed a friendship in high school. We made out once and I just never thought quote unquote, a guy like him could like a girl like me. I just was so insecure. I wasn't popular or I didn't think I was popular. We had this like friendship for years through high school, through college. And it's funny because I look back on that friendship and I see, oh my gosh, this guy clearly liked me. And I'll just go ahead and tell the whole story. It's in my book, but 
basically, we, you know, had this friendship for a really long time. I just was always, like, crazy in love with this guy. Never thought he would even look at me that way. And he would come to my tennis matches. We would talk for hours on the phone, all that stuff. And then we lost touch uh, near the end of college, which a lot of people do. And he would always, like, kind of come to my mind over the years. I wonder what he's up to. Years later, one of my best friends from high school is getting married to a guy. And she called me and she said, you are never going to believe it. Guess who? Her fiance. Guess who he lived with out of college? And I was like, who? And she said, my like massive crush from high school, this guy. And she was like, guess what? He was always talking about this one girl that got away, like the one girl that he compares every other girl to, this girl that he's like always been in love with but never felt good enough for. Guess who it was? It was me. And I about fell off my chair, could not believe it. And she was like, guess what? He's going to be at the wedding. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is crazy. We ended up seeing each other at the wedding, and I felt like I was, like, 17 years old again. Just, oh, my gosh. Like, ah! Like, I can't believe I'm seeing him. Like, he's so cute. Oh, my gosh. But he had a girlfriend at the time. So it was just, hey, how are you? So good to see you. Evidently, later in that night, he was talking with a mutual friend of ours who, like, knew me and my crush, Basically, it was like, listen, like, I'm in a relationship and I'm like, I, you know, really am happy with this girl. But I got to tell you, if I was single, I would ask Kat on a date, like, instantly. He was like, she's so amazing and I can't believe I let her slip through my fingers, all of that. So the wedding comes and goes. And then maybe a year later, this was like when I first moved to New York, I get a DM from him. And... He's like, hey, I'm out of that relationship. I wanted to reach out to you. Basically, it's you. It's always been you. I've always had a thing for you. And I would just really regret if we never gave it a shot. And it's like, I know you're in New York. He was in another state at the time. And he's like, I will fly to you. I just want to take you on a proper date. My jaw is on the freaking floor, y'all. And I was like, yes, like, let's... Let's give this a shot. So long story longer, we had this date planned for when I was back home in Texas over the holidays, and we had been talking nonstop. This is like, oh, it's such a bummer. He, uh, He stood me up. He stood me up, and then I never heard from him again. It was like the, it's like all this buildup to this story, right? And then he like flakes out. So I get over him. I'm like, fine, whatever. Like, he flakes out. I can't believe this. What the heck? And then years go by again. I'm writing this book, Sexless in the City, and I'm writing my chapter about him. I have written the chapter about him, sent it to the publisher. It's the week my book goes live. And I was like, you know what? I never reached out to him and asked him what happened. And at that point, I knew he was married. He has a kid. So I'm no longer interested romantically in this person. But I think, you know what? I'm just going to let him know that I wrote about him in my book. And I'm going to ask him what happened. So I reach out to him. I text him. I'm like, hey, is this still so-and-so's number? He replies back 
instantly. He's like, yep, it's me. What's up, Catherine Harris? How are you? And I'm like, you know, I'm doing really good. Uh, I was like, I know, I know you recently got married and you have a kid. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. It looks like things are going really well. And he's like, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for checking in. And I was like, hey, I just want you to know up front, I respect you. I respect your marriage. I respect your wife. I respect your family. So this next question has nothing to do with me trying to rekindle anything. It's just out of curiosity. And he was like, I appreciate you saying that. And I said, hey, you know, we reconnected after all those years and you pursued me hardcore. And then when it came time for the date, you bailed. What happened? And he replied that he got scared. He said, I got scared. I was afraid of doing long distance. And he was like, I just never felt fully worthy of you. And I was like, wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. And, you know, I said something like, isn't it interesting what happens or doesn't happen when we don't think we're worthy of love? Because I didn't feel worthy of his love for the majority of our friendship. So I couldn't see how much he was actually in love with me. And I look back on our entire friendship and see, wow, this guy worshiped the ground I walked on, but I couldn't see it because I didn't believe it for myself. And look at him too. He couldn't see his own worth, so he couldn't receive the love that was in front of him. So if there is one that got away, it would be that guy. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I wrote this book. I was like, you're actually in it. I was like, don't worry. I I was like, I have nothing bad to say about you. I have nothing but like, I just want to sing your praises. But yeah, there is a chapter about our friendship. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. I feel so honored. And he was like, you know, I just wish you nothing but the best. And he was like, I just, there. he's like, there's some really amazing guy out there who is going to sweep you off your feet. And it was really cool. We got to like kind of bless each other and have that closure moment. So yeah, that was kind of the, that was like the one that got away. And, you know, there is the question people have kind of asked me, what about that guy from last year? Like, is there a chance of, you know, getting back together with that person? And, you know, I don't know. There is a part of me that feels like he is one that got away, you know, but I also trust timing and know that our, that was not our timing. He, this guy knows where I stand. Like I told him repeatedly, hey, I do want to give this a shot and I like you and like when and if you're ready, I would love to hear from you, whether that's six months from now, a year from now. He told me that if he was ever in a place to date again, that he would reach out to me. And so, you know, there's that. And I, you know, just have to trust, trust timing on all of that stuff. And also like trust the reality of what is like, so yes, that guy from high school and college was one that quote unquote got away. But I know that I know that I know that I know that he's not my person. And I'm glad I didn't end up with him, not because he's a bad guy, but because life took us on different paths. And I'm so glad that I have been single and like didn't end up with him because I've had all these other experiences. I probably wouldn't have written the book, all the, all these things that would not have happened if I would have ended up with him. And so I just am choosing to like trust timing. So yeah, he got away, but also that means that he like wasn't for me. <sighs> There's that. I feel like that was a really long story and I don't know how many minutes we're into this podcast, but let me just uh, answer a few more questions. 
Another question. Okay. Here's the question. A few months ago, you went on an amazing date. What's the rest of the story? So I talked on IG stories in the last week or so about like the best date of my life that I went on. It was the Bumble date. So it was the first date I went on after my four-month break from dating this year. We met up for drinks. And honestly, as soon as I saw him, I was like, first of all, homeboy is a babe. Like this guy is gorgeous and like tall, taller than me. Most guys just aren't taller than me. I'm 5'10 and I have really good posture. And if I'm wearing any shoes, it makes me like more like six feet tall. So taller than me, athletic. I mean, super babe. And we just instantly had like a connection and hit it off and ended up getting drinks. And I think we talked for like four hours straight, nonstop, just like jabber, jabber, jabber. I'm asking him questions. He's asking me questions. I mean, in the middle of drinks, he's like, this is honestly the best date I've ever been on. And he was like, I thought this was going to be like a (laughs) drive-by. And he's like, most online dates are. He's like, I do not want this to end. He's like, I am so fascinated by you. I can't get enough of you. Like, I just want to keep hanging out. And I was like, I feel the exact same way. So he had dinner plans and invited me to go to dinner with him and his friends. And so we leave this like four-hour drinks, go have dinner with his friends, and it just felt so easy. Like it, it literally felt like we had been together for a long time. It was so fun meeting his friends and, you know, he was, you know, singing my praises and it was one of those things that I felt like should feel weird, but it didn't. And then afterwards we all went dancing. So it's like me with like 15 guys and we go dancing in downtown Austin, just the best night ever. And I mean, I left that night feeling like, you know, I don't have a boyfriend, but like we're, we are on the, we are on the relationship train. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just like woke up that next morning on freaking cloud nine and we dated. So I shared that story on Instagram and everyone like and their mom DM'd me, what happened? What happened? Are you still dating this guy? I am not still dating that guy. We dated, we went out like four times within the span of like two weeks. And ultimately we, we checked in. We're like, Hey, what do you have space for? What are you looking for? And he was like, I just do not have the time in my life right now to like give you what you're looking for and has a super intense job. And was not willing to kind of compromise his schedule to prioritize dating. And that's really sucked to hear because in my head, I'm like, you can do both. You can pursue a career and date. And I do think women are better at juggling both. And I think, or I know guys have different pressure on them that women just don't have to like, quote unquote, provide or whatever. And so I think a lot of guys feel as though they have to have their quote unquote ducks lined up in a row before dating. It's like, I have to have the house. I have to have the career figured out. And then I date. Whereas like girls were like, we're figuring out the house stuff. We're figuring out the career stuff. And we can kind of like spaghetti it where guys are more like waffle. And so, you know, he could have said that to me and that could have been an excuse. He could have really just not been that into me, which 
that would be hard too. But what I am grateful for is the experience. I think he really reawakened me to love again and showed me there are other guys out there because I had just been so stuck on this other guy for so long. And it just reminded me, okay, like there are good guys out there. There are other men out there that I can have a really strong connection to. And I think sometimes when things don't work out in the past, I've just thought that that tarnished the whole relationship or the whole experience. But no, like things cannot work out. And that is still the best date I've had maybe in my whole life or indefinitely in years and years. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm grateful for that. And, you know, we stayed friends for a few months and then it kind of fizzled out. But I'm when and if I ever run into him in person, like I will have like nothing bad to say to him. I will not feel awkward. I think he's an amazing guy. I know that when he's ready, he's going to meet an incredible girl because he's just that kind of guy. So I just want nothing but really great things for him. So there is that. And then finally, this will be the last question. How seriously are you considering an Insta break? So also recently... On Instagram, I shared that I am thinking about taking a break from the Refined Woman and the Refined Collective. So how serious am I about that? Y'all, I am very serious about that. I've been running the Refined Woman for over 10 years now without ever taking a significant break. I've taken a few weeks off here or there, but when you're on the content creation hamster wheel, you are constantly throwing spaghetti on a wall and seeing what sticks. So yeah, I could even take a month off like I did in June, but it's like a month off is hardly a break because I'm taking four weeks off from the podcast and then two weeks into that break, it's like, now I need to be brainstorming about more topics and who's going to be on the podcast next and what I want to talk about after this break. So that month break did not feel like a break at all. And with everything going on in my life with like me deconstructing my own stuff, going through the fertility stuff, navigating dating, and then just frankly, being on the content creation wheel for so long, I feel like I have so little to give right now and I feel like I have allowed so much of my identity to be wrapped up in this platform. I love this platform. I love what I've created. I love the community that I've built. I love the community that keeps building. I love putting out content. I love talking to you. I love talking about this stuff. And so... When I was in Italy, the idea came into my head of a sabbatical and it instantly freaked me out like, oh my gosh, what if everyone quits my Patreon? And that's like a community that I really love. And it's a pretty big chunk of change that is very supportive to me every month. So what if I take a break and then like everyone leaves? What if I take a break from the podcast and I'm no longer relevant? If What if I take a break? And I lose my book deal, like all this fear and something that I am super committed to is if it's fear keeping me from making a decision, like that's not a reason for me not to do a thing. And so when I got back from the trip, I started having conversations with my team, conversations with my podcast agent, my book agent, my spiritual parents, my mentor, and a couple close friends and just like fleshing it out. And okay, I'm thinking about this thing. Unanimously, 
Every single person that I've talked to about it has been like, oh my gosh, finally, we've been hoping and praying you would take a break. Like you need this time off. Like, please take it and take it well. So I'm still working through logistically what that will look like. But it's probably going to look like a break from September through end of year from all things refined women related. I'm figuring out, do I want to like still do my sex ed workshop series in the fall? Do I want to keep up like a little, like doing some stuff on Patreon for that community? I'm not like 100% clear yet, but you'll know. And um, yeah, it feels scary. It feels scary. But I do feel like there's an invitation for me just to have space and be with God and kind of get back to like, who am I? Who do I want to be outside of like, what do I need to create to stay relevant? And what do I need to put out there on my podcast so that I can have an episode for my podcast sponsors? Like, can we just like get back to square one a little bit and figure out like who I am and where we're headed before we stay on this ship any longer or yeah. Um, and I think the other thing I felt is I've felt like a victim to the content creation wheel. Like it's this hamster wheel that I don't know how to get off of. And then I realized, guess what? I made this hamster wheel and then I chose to get on it. I can get off at any point. I'm not a victim to this world. I can have a break. So one of my words for this year has been surrender and trust. And I do feel like there's like an invitation for me to surrender this for a, a season, even just a few months, have a real break and trust that God's going to show up, that God's going to reveal God's self to me in a new way that I will be rejuvenated, that um, I will have a new direction, new excitement, new purpose. So I'm very serious about taking this break. I just am not 100% clear on what it's going to look like yet, but you can guarantee I will keep you updated. All right. I have no idea how long this is. It might be three hours long, but thank you so much for listening. There's a lot more questions like... (laughs) Have you thought about adopting? Why did I move to Austin? Have I ever dated a guy that I wasn't attracted to? Have I ever dated someone who slid into my DMs? Quick answer to that is yes. But if you like this episode and want me to do another one before I take a break, DM me, DM Refined, the Refined Collective, reach out and let us know and we'll, we'll do another one. I'll do another one. All right, peace and blessings. Talk to you soon.